Welcome and thanks for joining us for this week's encouraging and faith-building message from C3 Topol. For more information about C3 Topol, visit our website c3churchtopol.org.nz. Now for this week's message. So here we go. One Chronicles. I'm going to get through some content this morning. This is King David writing about building the church, or building the temple. He says, Moreover, because I've set my affection on the house of God, I've given to the house of God over and above all that I've already prepared for the holy house out of my own special treasure and gold I have given. This is King David, so he's the king of a nation. He is the, he is the treasuries of Israel at his disposal, and he has set aside as a national leader a portion of finances, a generous portion of finances on behalf of the nation to see the temple built, but that is not enough for King David. He goes on to say, aside from everything that has been set aside for God's house, above all that I've prepared as a national leader and as king out of Israel, I am now going to give out of my own savings account, out of my own gold and silver, another portion to see God's house. He's like, I'm not going to let the nation do for me what I should be doing for myself. And you can't let someone else do for you what you need to be doing for yourself, which is participating with Jesus Christ to see his church established here on earth. Doing God's work is always an invitation, not an obligation. So there is no obligation for you to participate. God does not love a grumbling giver. He loves a joyful giver. So if at any stage you're grumbling, it's all good. Don't give. But God's invitation to you is to participate with what he is already doing. And he is building his church. And it is going to be the chief of all the mountains here on earth. And his invitation from him to us is to participate with what he is doing here on earth. To see his church move forward. And this month is just about one facet of that. Part of it is buildings and resource and land ownership. Other parts of it are missions. Other parts of it are local works. Other parts, it is, it's a multifaceted thing. But this month is about setting up the generations to come with a place of worship. It's an invitation, not an obligation. And working with Jesus to see his church rise into the fullness of what he intends it to be is a delight, not a burden. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So he said, King David says this, I've set my affection on the house of my God. Where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. That's Jesus speaking in the book of John. But it was an intentional choice from King David at where he set the affection of his heart. We always got to be assessing what our heart is fixated on. Is our heart fixated on the earthly things and the temporal gains that this world has to offer, or is our heart set on heavenly things and the eternal gains that God has to offer? Because he said, he reminded us, Jesus is setting us up for a win all the time, and he's setting us up for a win when he says, you know, don't store up for yourself treasure on heaven, on earth, where rust and moth and mold decay, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where there's no rust, there's no moth, there's no thieves, and no one can take it from you. Now, we know we can't stuff our pockets full when we die with money because they'll take it off us at the morgue. You know, we can't take it with us through death, but we can send it on ahead of ourselves. 
It's called sowing. We sow it because our harvest is not here on earth. Our harvest is in heaven. So he, he set his affection, his heart was to do the work of God to build a place of worship for Yahweh, for Jehovah. Chronic, 1 Chronicles 29.6 says this, Then the leaders, the fathers of houses, leaders of tribes of Israel, captains of thousands of hundreds, with the officers over the king's works, they also offered willingly that every single one of us has a part to play in seeing Christ's church become as magnificent as he intends it to be. I've never seen a bride walk down a runway, and I've married plenty enough people now in like a bedraggled, grubby, half sewn, you know, multicolored dress made up out of, you know, op shop leftovers. No, they always walk down in the finest garment, the finest dress you could ever possibly imagine. And it's their husband's delight to make sure that they are set up to walk down the aisle looking 10 out of 10. And Christ's desire for his church and for his bride is no different. He, want his, he wants his bride to represent how much he cares for, her bride, for his bride. And a bedraggled bride doesn't say much about the husband-to-be. And a bedraggled church does not say much about the Christ who is the head of the church, that his church is to be glorious and wonderful and a representation of God's kingdom here on earth. So everyone participated with building the church. I'm no King David, but Sarah and I will do all we can to see his church built here in Topor. And Rise and Build is not about equal giving, but it is about equal sacrifice. Each part doing its part, the impossible becomes possible. We all have something to give, and we can all participate with setting up the generations that are to come. Whether you're in this church for a long time or a short time, you, are, you can participate with what God is doing here in Topor and so into the heavenly field that is waiting for you. And a city is held captive while God's people are inactive. And surge is a month of activity. It's a month for us to rise. It's a month for us to participate. It's a month for us to step out and engage our faith to see God's church rise into the fullness of what He intends it to be. It says in 1 Chronicles 29 verse 9, Then the people rejoiced. It's a great celebratory moment. For they had offered willingly because of the loyal heart that offered to the Lord, and King David also rejoiced greatly. There's no greater privilege than to partner with God, to partner with the God of the impossible and see it take place around our life. Rise and build is worship. Giving your finance to God is worship. Singing is worship. Serving is worship. But giving is also worship. And as you give, you need to believe for the miraculous to happen around your life. Because God's a good father who gives good gifts to his children. And as you step out, as you say to God, I'm going to give this for your will to be done, you can know without a shadow of a doubt that as you build his house, he will build yours. As you build his, he will build yours. There's a supernatural transaction that takes place between your world and God's as you step out in faith to build his kingdom. 29 verse 14, it goes on to say, But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? 
for all things come from you, and of your own you, we have given to you. O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have prepared to build your house for your holy name is from your hand, and it is, and is all yours. You will be, we will be staggered next, the final Sunday of March, when every part does its part at what we can achieve together. What we can achieve separately is small, but what we can achieve together is miraculous. And God has called us to do this together. That's why he's called us a body and a people, because he wants us to participate and be joined in doing this life together, each bringing what they have to offer to see God's will outworked in Topor, Aotearoa, and across the globe. Together, the miraculous takes place. What a great state. Who are we that we would be able to do this? Who are we in Topor that we would be able to do this? Who are we in provincial New Zealand that we would be able to do this? Who are we that we could do something so significant, so wonderful in Topor? Who well we why not us? Why not Topor? Why not you? Why not your business? Why not your marriage? Why not your family? Who there were Israel is like the runt of all nations. Always under attack, always busted down, always been robbed, always been fleeced. Yet here they are building one of the singular most spectacular structures that was ever built. A, a temple overlaid with gold. Just ridiculously opulent and over the top. And they're like, who are we? The nation of Israel. Persecuted pushed aside that we together could do something this significant. Well, this is us here in Topo. Who are we here in Topo to set something up for God to bless people, to train people, to equip people, to bless the nations all around the world by setting aside a place of encounter and worship where people can find Jesus Christ and then find the life that Jesus Christ has for them to live. And next, or the end of the month, I believe we're going to be like that. Who were we that we could do this? That we could bring in one, two, three hundred thousand dollars to see God's church advance into the future? Who are we that we could get enough as a deposit to buy land? Who are we that we could get enough together that we will actually be able to own freehold our own land and buildings to pass on to the next generation? It's going to be us. We're going to do it because together... The miraculous takes place. It's not about looking for the one rich person in the room. Sure, some people have the gift of giving, one in seven in fact. But it's each part doing its part. We rise together. King David was a man passionate about the house of God. Even though he knew he would never see it with his own eyes, he had already seen it in his spirit. He was told by God that he would not build his temple because he had been a man of bloodshed. But that did not stop King David from doing all he could to set up the generations to come to succeed on the mission that God had given them. It's not about our generation and what we can achieve in the next 10, 20 or 30 years. It's about what those achieve after we've gone. 100 years time. C3 Church Topol, still on the map, still seeing souls saved, still sending out disciples into the earth, still worshiping, still praising Jesus. 
We know David was passionate about God's house because his children were passionate about God's house. His son Solomon, like I said, built the most magnificent building that had ever existed. And when King David died, Solomon was not like, man, my old man's given me all this money. Now he can go and, you know, I can go and do my own thing. No, he carried the heartbeat of his father to keep the work going that King David had in his heart to build a proper place for God. And all through the line and through the line of David came Jesus and Jesus was and still is passionate about the house of God. Passionate for for it to be a place filled with worship and a place that any person can come to. I never want to have a building that has no room. We will run Four services a Sunday. By the end of the year, we will be having Sundays of over 500 people in attendance, and it will look like four or five services on a Sunday because we will always be making room for the somebody else. We will always be making a place for the stranger. This May this church never be known for being full. May it be known for being filled, but never full. We will always make room. It will always be uncomfortable, and I will not apologize about having to need more people to serve and work and give and sow and make coffee and open doors and serve in kids ministry because there's someone in the community who right now is not here that needs to be. That we saw in Christchurch the craziness of our world. People need Jesus Christ. And I don't buy into them that's not us on Facebook because that person who held the gun is also us. He is also broken. He is also messed up. He is also hurt. That mess is ours, the whole lot. We can't decide which parts we partake in. It's our mess. The whole shooting... Oh, that's a terrible... um, The whole kit and caboodle. And it's ours. It's the churches with the creative genius of Jesus Christ in us to keep throwing the doors wide, to keep preaching the message of love and grace that come whoever, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever is thirsty can come and drink. Whoever is tired can come and rest. Whoever is willing, whoever, whoever, that's, that's the people that the gospel message is for. It's for everybody else. And we will keep doing what we do. For as long as it takes for every church in Topo to be filled, for every house to have on worship music and to be praying around their tables, Jesus Christ is the great great answer to humanity. Jesus was passionate about his church. Sarah and I are passionate about his church. Our whole team is passionate about this church. Psalm 69 verse 9 said, This was King David writing, zeal for your house consumes me. And in John chapter 2, Jesus exemplifies what David wrote in the scripture when he drove out the money changers and people obstructing worship in the temple. His disciples observed him and recognized the fulfillment of what David had written. In John 2, it says, his disciples remembered it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. Zeal in the dictionary is great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or an objective. I really admire that person's apathy and indifference, said no one ever. No one was ever admired for sitting on the fence. 
No one was ever admired for being indifferent about something. No one was ever admired for for being just whatever. But someone who's passionate, even if they're passionate about something different to me, I still admire them because they're at least passionate about it. They at least believe in their message. They're sold out for their cause. Their convictions are driving them. And as a church, as believers, as sons and daughters of God, filled with the mighty Holy Spirit from heaven, we should be the most passionate, most lively, most energetic, most faithful creations on the face of the earth. We should be carrying this great spirit of optimism that is Jesus Christ himself who said, even for the joy set before me, the joy set before me, I endured the cross. He's so optimistic, dying, because he knew he was going to be raised back to life on the third day. Zeal is an attractive quality. You want to be around those kind of people because they've got stuff happening in their life. It's magnetic. It's attractive. And Jesus, Romans 12 says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Romans 12, 11. Be passionate about your children. Be passionate about your wife. Be passionate about your business or your job. Be passionate about the church. King David said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. I was glad when people talked about church. I was glad when I got invited to church. I was glad when I got included with the bunch of people that were going to worship Jesus Christ. We're going to worship Yahweh. We're going to the place where the presence of God is. Be passionate about God. A good question to ask ourselves is, what am I known for? What are we known for? What we do in this life echoes into the lives that follow us. What we value, our children will value. What we love, our children will love. Our children will follow our example long after our advice is forgotten. Jehu said, come see my zeal for the Lord. This is an example, not advice. He did not sit people down and say, let me tell you about my zeal. He's like, come and see my zeal. And you will catch what I have on my life. This is why midweek connect groups are so important. This is why being regularly every Sunday in church is so important. Because you catch zeal. You come and see. You see, come with me and I will show you something. Come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. Come with me to church. See my zeal for the Lord. Come with me to the park. Come with me to this whatever it might be and see my zeal for the Lord. It is an example, not advice. King Solomon remembered his father and prayed on his behalf. In Psalm 132, Lord, Remember David and all his afflictions, how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob. Surely I will not go into the chamber of my house or go up into the comfort of my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. It goes into verse 10. For your, for your servant David, or for my father's sake, do not turn your face away from your anointed. Imagine your child praying that prayer in a time of need, a time of help, or a time of faith. 
remember the faithfulness that's gone before me, God. God, remember the faithfulness of the ones who have gone before me. God, remember the faithfulness of my father. Remember the faithfulness of my mother. Remember the faithfulness of those that have gone before me. And do it again in my generation. Do it again in this time. Do it again now. Remember those who have gone before me and help us do it. Help us stand in that faith and that anointing that they stood in. The generations to come will face battles and persecutions, but they will stand in a house built on faith, hope, and love. They will stand in a church that every time they drive through the gates, every time they walk through the doors, they will be reminded of the goodness, faithfulness, and provision of God. They will stand and they will worship in a living testimony of the people that have gone before them. And they will remember that you did it for the ones who went before us and you'll do it for us right now and you'll do it for the ones who are to come from us. David's obedience gave his children a platform to stand on before God and request from him God's blessing. Your faith, your obedience, your work, your sacrifice is setting up the generations that shall come from you, that may have already come from you. And the greatest gift we can give our children is a lineage of faith and obedience towards God, that they could come before God like Solomon, praying like that, filled with faith and confidence. God, you've done it before. It's not the same thing, but it's the same faith. It's the same hope and the same God that in this season we stand in the physical evidence of your provision and your goodness and your promise. What are we going to leave for our children? Good ideas and programs will not see our nation transformed, but passion will. People who are sold out, businesses sold out, educators sold out, politicians sold out, mothers who are sold out, fathers who are sold out, preachers and pastors who are sold out, who are convinced of the message of Jesus Christ. Jesus had passion for his father's house. We must also have passion for our father's house for His glorious church here on earth. And now I'm under no illusion that the church is not perfect. But let Him who is without sin throw the first rock. Our job is to work with Christ to see lost souls saved. Our job is to work with Christ to create a place that is a hospital for the sick and a launching pad for the fixed up. They come and broke they leave rich. They leave blessed. They leave with a sword in their hand to go out and destroy the works of the devil that is tearing down our world with. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Have a blessed week.